What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Best case, worst case, episode five. We're going to be talking Illinois Fighting Illini and the Penn State Nittany Lions. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe. Follow us and get your, you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast: Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. Give us a try. Subscribe. Leave a review. Share us with your friends on Twitter, on Instagram. If you want to send me an email, if you're like, that was a terrible idea or that was a great idea, send me presents. Big10footballtalk at gmail.com. Uh, this has been a fun series, and I th- I think in doing this series, what it's done for me is it's it's made me realize. I think honestly just how up in the air a lot of things are, especially in that middle part of the conference. And, you know, I was was talking about Maryland last time. And it'll be interesting to see if if they're able to compete with the upper echelon of the Big Ten East. And I think in a lot of ways that's a little bit about how I feel with Illinois in terms of can they kind of – break through this season. I you know, I think they probably should have won the West last year. They were surprisingly surprisingly talented. And that's that's in spite of the fact that I I didn't feel like they were left with much uh with uh the previous coach whose his name is Alluding me, I was about to say Tubby Smith, and I was like, "That's a basketball guy." Oh my gosh, I know who he is. I, this happens all the time. Um, former Chicago Bears coach. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, uh, but I didn't think they they had a ton of talent. But in actuality, their their back seven was phenomenal. Devin Witherspoon, I believe, was the number five pick overall in the draft, right? Uh, they had Sidney Brown, who was a third-round pick, uh, Jartavius Martin, who was a second-round pick, uh, and then a, a pretty good free safety in Kendall Smith. And, uh, you know, those top three guys I talked about, Witherspoon, Brown, Martin, are all gone. You know, there's a lot of questions of do they have the talent? Do they have the ability? And the reality is in the transfer portal world, I, I think they might be able to still be competitive in the West. And, and you know, Phil Steele would say a contender in the West. I'm just not sure I see that. But there, I think there is a maybe a best case where they do make the Big Ten championship game. Uh, I don't think it's likely, but I think there's a possibility. So I'm going to just go through some of the things that I see in the roster, and then we're going to go through the schedule. The first, first thing is that 
they do get, I think, a decent prospect at quarterback in Luke Altmyer. He transfers in from Ole Miss. You know, didn't have great stats at Ole Miss. You know, he's mainly a backup. Had one start, uh, three touchdowns, three interceptions, 52%. But, you know, he's a young guy. He's a sophomore. So we're not sure. He was highly rated out of high school. So I think that is an improvement. That could be an improvement over guys like Tommy DeVito and Art Sitkowski. You know, and that's not meant to be a shot at those guys. It's just that they were never going to be, you know, guys that really made you better. But they weren't going to be guys that lost you games either. They were competent. They were game managers. And they were really good at getting you in the right play and making sure that the offense kept moving, which is what you want in a Brett Bielema-led offense, right? Hand it off. Don't make big mistakes, hit big plays when you can, and, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Luke Altmaier might be a little bit more than that. Uh, Bielema calls this quarterback room the best he's had since he's been in, since he's been there in year three. So I think that's, that's an intriguing prospect to have a quarterback who might be a playmaker. Uh, Reggie Love... Uh, you know, he's he's back, had 499 yards uh, over the past three years. Um, they really like him. Josh McCray is back. You know, they, they certainly lose a lot in Chase Brown. But this offense has always been, it's not just been about the running back. It's, it's the offensive line, right? And particularly with Bielema, right? You could plug in most running backs and they'll get a thousand yards in a Brett Bielema led offensive line. Reggie Love, I think, has potential. Josh McCray, potential. They really are high on Caden Fagan. So I think there's certainly some potential there. Again, you'll notice the word is potential, right? Potential, potential, potential. I like the the wide receiver room. Isaiah Williams is, I think. Uh, a really good player who makes a lot of things happen. You know, last season started all 13 games, was third team, all Big Ten, 715 yards. You know, they'll they'll put him all over the field. Uh, Patrick Bryant is projected to start at that other spot. Um, you know, he started 11 games last year, you know, 450 yards. You know, I think he could progress in that area. I think he could really be a good number two receiver. Uh, they like Casey Washington, you know, their senior. He's a, a good leader, you know, has had 600 yards over the past couple years. So I think they have a good receiving receiving core. Um, Tip Ryman at tight end, he's back. So a lot of their, three of their top four pass catchers, or projected pass catchers, are back uh, in Bryant, Williams, Ryan, Washington is is back too. But my point there in saying that is they they have a lot of experience in the wide receiver room, the tight end room, and then you look at that offensive line. Joshua Kreitz is new. Uh, he played in a few games last season, but he he comes into the center spot. Jordan Slaughter, uh, senior, but he he only has one. I think one start at left guard, one one start at left guard. He did play in 13 games last year. Um, 
but only one start. But he is a senior, so he's been around the block at right guard. But then you look, and here's where I think there's real, real potential. Isaiah Adams is back. Zy Chrysler, or Chrysler, back. Started last year. Honorable Big Ten, uh, honorable uh, mention Big Ten last year. Isaiah Adams, third team Big Ten. Julian Pearl, who has started, I believe, a total of uh, 34 games. He was honorable mention Big Ten. So you've got three guys who have started a lot of games on the left side and the right tackle. And so that's going to give your quarterback a lot of time. You know, I think I don't think this offensive line is going to have any problem blocking for their running backs. And then the defense, I think while they lose a lot in that secondary, I'm not sure they they play a schedule that's going to really hurt them. You know, they return their two edge rushers, which is really good for them. You know, Jajon Newton, Keith Randolph, you know, they lose their big nose tackle, but Tarot Edwards comes in. He's 6'2", 320. He's a big space eater. Good, And he played in 13 games last season. So he at least knows the ropes. They're excited about their linebackers. Three out of the four uh, started last year. And uh, Kenena Odeluga, I'm sorry if I didn't get that right. You know, he has some valuable experience last year too. Two sacks last year. So you've got a lot of guys at the linebacker spot who have experience, who have played well. And then obviously, you know, it's the secondary that's the big the big question mark. They're going to take a step back. Uh, and yet, I still think they, they feel good about their secondary. Um, they've got a little bit of experience back there. You know, two sophomores, a junior and a senior. And then both their specialists come back. So what does that mean? I, I think it means the defense is not going to take as big of a step back as you might think. Um, I think the offense could take a step forward. So, and, and really the question is who on their schedule might be able to take advantage of maybe a compromised back, back four, back, uh, compromised secondary on their schedule. And really I can see maybe three teams who could really take advantage of them. Um, and that's even a stretch. So with that being said, where do I think the worst case, best case is for Illinois? Let's start worst case. Worst case, they play Toledo, win. They go to Kansas. Remember, Kansas, I believe, uh, oh man, I'm going to forget what they were last year. Uh, They were over 500 for the first time, I think, in a while. Um, And it's, it's at Kansas, so... I could see where, you know, Illinois comes in. They don't have quite the talent to, like, overcome a bad game and a bad road game. And so I think, you know, in worst case, Kansas beats them, and then they play Penn State at home and just get walloped because Penn State has a complete offense. Drew, Drew Alar really is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, so they get beat by four scores. You know, they get Florida Atlantic, they beat Florida Atlantic, but then they go to Purdue and to Purdue or and Purdue with Hudson Card is not as bad as we thought they'd be, and they get beat by Purdue. 
I think, and again, the worst case scenario, I think with Nebraska at Maryland and Wisconsin, the worst case would be one and two. Right, they they get one of those teams, probably Nebraska, and then lose to Maryland, lose to Wisconsin. So that's you know again, this is worst case three and five. They go to Minnesota, and you know PJ Fleck kind of gets the momentum going, the juice going, and they lose to Minnesota. They have Indiana at Iowa Northwestern. I think they. They beat Indiana, lose to Iowa, beat Northwestern. I think five and seven is their floor. Which, to be fair, I think if, you know, if this were three years ago and we were saying, hey, your worst case scenario is five wins, I think Illinois fans, you guys would be ecstatic, right? But I think some of you might be listening to this and think, you think the worst case scenario is five and seven? Realize, like, listen, the expectations have risen dramatically for Illinois in a very short time. And you have to remember... While they, I think Brett Bielema is a great developer of talent, they still have not recruited super, super well. So the fact that that might be the stand, like the floor has risen that much, I think should actually be a real encouragement to you. Now, what's the best case scenario? I think they start at 2-0, right? Toledo at Kansas. I think they they, they are better than Kansas. Uh, and then they play Penn State. I, I think Penn State's a really tough ask. I think Penn State, they have good receivers. They have a really good offensive line. They have one of the best running back tandems in all of college football. Like, that's just, I think that's just going to be a tough ask. And then you want to talk about a defense that's going to really put Illinois in a bind. Their secondary, like, I think Illinois would have to throw on Penn State to beat them. I think Penn State's secondary, again, might be the best in the country. So I just think that's a bad matchup for Illinois. So I think they lose that, even though it's home. Beat Florida Atlantic, beat Purdue, beat Nebraska. I think they can get Maryland on a bad day. So that's 6-1. and one. I don't think they can get Wisconsin. So they lose to Wisconsin, homecoming. And again, I think Wisconsin's going to be really, really good this year. Much improved. But that doesn't mean they can't win the West. So they're 6-2. and two, But then they go to Minnesota and win. They, they host Indiana, win at Iowa. They can get at Iowa on a bad offensive day because we've seen that. Over and over and over again. And I think they their defense will cater uh, to Iowa's weaknesses, right? Like Iowa is still going to struggle to throw the ball. And I think Illinois is competent at defending the run. So I think that's going to be a, a, a tough, brutal game for both those teams. And I think they beat Northwestern. Listen, that's 10-2. and two. I think they can I think that's the best case scenario and the way that they get to the Big 10 championship game is realize that Wisconsin's schedule while it's not it's not a hard schedule they have a number of games where they might really they might really blow it um you know it might just be really tough so you've got a game at Washington state and while Washington State isn't great, they did lose that game last year. And you're going to the West Coast. Uh, 
And and that's just tough. So Wisconsin, well, no, that's not going to matter. Sorry, I'm not. I'm doing a West Wisconsin worst case, and I forgot that Washington State's not in the Big Ten, uh, or Washington State's not in the Big Ten. Um, who isn't in the Big Ten at this point? Uh, right, Washington is. Washington State isn't. Good job, Zach. Uh, they go on the road to Purdue. Purdue often gets an upset at home. It's a weird game. It's on a Friday, so they could lose that. They host Iowa, and Iowa could get them. They ha- they host Ohio State. Ohio State can obviously get them. And so in this scenario, Wisconsin drops three games in the Big Ten, and even though they beat Illinois, Illinois ends up being the better or having the better record in the Big Ten West, and they go to the Big Ten championship game where they lose to one of the big boys, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. I don't think Illinois, much like most West teams in this, well, all West teams at this point, uh, in this current iteration of the Big Ten championship game, I, it's it's just going to be a little difficult for the West champion to really compete with those other three teams. With the exception of one Big Ten West team, which we'll talk about. Uh, that'll do it for Illinois. Let's take a break and then I'll come to Penn State. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. We're talking Penn State. I'm going to be totally upfront. I'm not going to spend much time on the best case. Because I think most people know what the best case scenario is. And it's national championship. It's the first time I think, maybe in the playoff era, that I felt like Penn State has a roster that could really compete for a national title. I don't mean like make the playoff. I mean compete for a national championship, like beat Georgia, beat Alabama. I think Penn State could be that this year. Drew Lahr, I think, I I absolutely think Penn State made the right call to not start Drew Lahr last year. And yet... You just, when he played, you saw the potential. He was impressive. He made quick decisions. He has the arm strength. He has the poise. Uh, Just, I think, could easily be a first-round pick when he leaves Penn State, most likely next year. I, I think... I think Drew Lahr is going to be a surefire, uh, like a surefire All Big Ten selection, whether it's first team, second team. Like I, 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 I am very high, very high on Drew Lahr. The running back room is the best it's been, I think, maybe in fifteen years. Well, that's 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 saying something. Uh, I I forgot that Saquon Barkley was in that room, but like you know Saquon. Well, Saquon and Miles are probably the be- is probably the best, but this is not far behind, right? Like you have Singleton, you have Allen. Both of them are dynamic players. They complement each other well. Uh, it's just a very, very strong uh, room. They get Trey Potts from Minnesota, who I. It's amazing to me that Trey Potts transferred out of Minnesota. Because I thought he would have a bit more run this year for the Gophers. But, like, he's your number three? Like, that's a really good number three running back. 
And then the one place where I'm a little concerned is receiver, right? But Keandre Lambert-Smith, I thought, improved uh, last year. I thought he was a, a bit more dynamic last year. Uh, Dante Cephas comes in from Kent State, and he had a really productive career there. You know, 27 starts, over 2,000 career yards. So, again, can he do it at the Big Ten level? We're not sure. Uh, Harrison Wallace is projected to start maybe in the slot, and they're high on him. They've got some other some other guys that have come in. Malik McLean comes in from Florida State. So they've, they've got guys that they're high on, but it's certainly not proven proven guys outside of maybe Lambert Smith. Theo Johnson is going to take over at tight end along with Tyler Warren. I think that, again, they're high on both those guys. Both that, both those guys made plays last year, but they, they have some more work to do, right? Where I'm really excited, and maybe where I started to speak about the running backs here, is the offensive line. Four starters back. Uh, Norzad was uh, honorable mention Big Ten last year at center. Sam Wormley uh, is back, honorable mention Big Ten last year. Caden Wallace is back. And then, of course, the, the shocker, Olu Fashinu, who I don't know how he was only a second team all Big Ten. I mean, he was out for the year uh, after eight, uh, nine games. Um, or maybe that was in 2021. He he was out for extended time last year. I'm trying to remember when. But I mean, that dude when he came back, you know, he was a projected top 10 pick before he decided to come back. So now all of a sudden you've got maybe the best tackle in the conference who's anchoring that line with some really good running backs. I think a superstar in waiting at quarterback. And your your wide receivers are maybe the only thing that's going to hold you back from being the be- maybe the best offense in the conference. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball. My only question mark is really the defensive line. And and even then, it's, it's less of a question mark and more of a... It's a question mark because it's a lot of unproven guys... But I think there's a number of guys who can make an impact, right? So you've got guys uh, like Danny Dennis Sutton, who I think they're really, really high on. Um, You know, last year, Adisa Isaac was third team all Big Ten, had four sacks, seven tackles for loss. They're excited about him. Uh, They, you know, they're Zane Durant comes back, uh, who they really are high on. so they've got guys that they're they're really excited about and and it's not just the frontline guys it's backups guys that are going to be able to rotate in so and I think to be at that competitive level you have to be able to rotate guys on the defensive line to keep them fresh so we're talking about them stacking talent now and they've got seasoned guys and they've got some very highly touted guys coming in that they're very very high on so I, I like the I like their defensive line. It's just not, it's not definitive. It's not like I think Michigan and Ohio State, 
where you have guys, you're like, you know they're going to be really, really, like, you've seen the flashes already. Some of these guys, you haven't seen it, but they're, they're, they look good, right? So I think their, their, their front four is going to be formidable, but maybe not like a top 10 in the, uh, in the country. Their back seven is going to be the best in the country. Abdul Carter, Kobe King, Curtis Jacobs. I Abdul Carter might be the best, end up being the best defender in the conference. That dude is a stud. And I, I mean, you're, you're talking about, I think, another Micah Parsons in terms of talent. So I, I he's going to be an enforcer in that middle. He's got a year of experience now. Jacobs, I think, really anchors them uh, with as a, uh, with his seniority. So I, I, I like that that linebacker core. And then you look at the secondary: Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Keaton Ellis. You know, Jalen Reed steps in at strong safety as a junior. They're experienced. They're talented, and I think they're going to give a lot of people problems, even without. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. This is this is a phenomenal group in the back seven, and you need a phenomenal group to defend teams that have really good receiving cords. I'm I'm looking at you, Ohio State, you know, and even Michigan. Like you need that to be able to compete with their firepower. Now, so what's what's the worst case scenario? What what's the worst case scenario? We're, get, we're just going to do worst case first. That's kind of what we do. Um, I think the worst case is Alar is a little shaky in game one. Struggles a little bit, but they, they beat West Virginia. I don't think West Virginia stands a, a chance in that game. I think that's a bad matchup for them. Obviously, you know, Delaware, they named the score. At Illinois is dicier than people expect, and they win by a field goal. And then they host Iowa. And Iowa is able to grind them a bit to a loss. They go to Northwestern. They beat the brakes off of Northwestern as a revenge game. They get a bye week. They beat up on UMass. And then they go to Ohio State where it's a, it's a close game, but Ohio State wins. And that drops them, I believe, to 5-2. and two. Indiana's a win. At Maryland is dicey. But I think they they pull off the win. Michigan at home, they lose before finishing up with Rutgers and Michigan State, and they win. I, I think the floor is nine and three. I you could make a case eight and four because I do think Maryland is good enough to spring an upset where if you if you bring your, your C plus game, I, I could see that. My, my, my hesitation with that, and it's why I picked Maryland to upset Ohio State instead of Penn State. I just think Penn State's offensive line is is much more solidified, and and therefore I think where Maryland could can do damage to Ohio State, I don't think they can do it to Penn State. So I I don't I would think that their floor is nine and three. And maybe what I would say is I think they lose either to Iowa or at Maryland in the worst case. But this team's too talented, I think, to to only go eight and four. I I think you know according to Phil Steele's power ratings, they're they're in the top five. 
And if you actually, if you look at his power ratings, the top five teams, it's Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, which should give you an appreciation of how good those top three teams are in the Big Ten right now. Like, I think they are, I just think Penn State's going to be really good, which, which brings me to the best case scenario. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I, I'm going to kind of describe how they get there. So first game, Drew, Drew Allar really establishes himself. Keandre Lambert-Smith really begins to emerge as a primary weapon. Theo Johnson really picks up where Brenton Strange left off. And you really see that the running backs and the offensive line are really, they, they have a good groove. And so they, they beat up on West Virginia. They beat them by five touchdowns. And then Delaware, they named the score. At Illinois, they named the score. Uh, maybe not name the score, but they, they handle Illinois. And then Iowa comes to town and they face adversity. But ultimately, they still win by a couple scores. But they, they face adversity and they know, okay, we've really got to up our game against sound defensive teams. And that's important. At Northwestern, they, they crush them. By week, UMass crush them. At Ohio State, they limit the passing game and they, they take Ohio State's best shot, but they pull away in the fourth quarter after facing adversity again. And they, they are still undefeated after that game. They beat Indiana, they beat Maryland, and then they host Michigan, which is key. They are not going to Michigan, they are hosting Michigan. And they get, that they're able to withstand the brutality up front of Michigan. They slow down the running game just enough and they force J.J. McCarthy into a couple of picks and they beat Michigan. Beat Rutgers, beat Michigan State, uh, have a very competitive game with Wisconsin, uh, who is highly ranked in the Big Ten Championship game, and they are the number one seed of the college football playoff. They take on either USC or uh, who's someone else that they might end up facing? USC or Florida State or Clemson, one of those one of those uh, three teams. In uh, as the number four seed, or Texas might be another one. Um, you can tell who I'm maybe thinking about my, from my playoff picks here. Get one of those guys, and they handle them. I just they're just not they're not able to to handle Penn State's explosiveness, their defense, and then in the national championship game, they they get a Georgia team who is. Maybe a little beat up from their last game. They haven't figured out the quarterback situation. And ultimately, they're able to outlast Georgia in the national championship game. And they win their first title since 1986. I, listen, when I say this, Penn State fans, I really am buying Penn State. And I know there's... You know, James Franklin, he's not the greatest X's and O's guy. He's not the greatest uh, 
you know, he's he's not great at a lot of things, or maybe he's not elite at a lot of things. That might be a subtle or not so subtle shot at him. Yet, this is his best roster. And I I think the way that other teams are maybe a little compromised, I think this is a a, a prime opportunity for them to get not just to the playoff, but to win the whole thing. And so... Just so you know, that's the best case scenario. Am I picking that? Well, you, you'll have to tune in later in the preseason when we talk about my Big Ten predictions and my playoff predictions. So that might be a little teaser or a little some foreshadowing into what I'm thinking. But that'll do it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.